Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 248 of the podcast. My name is Carrie Newhoff, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. Well, one of the things that really helps me lead well, I don't know whether you find this or not, but I find it. If it's going well at home, you, you know, you're winning. It doesn't matter. And sometimes I've been in seasons, and Tony and I, my wife and I will talk about this in future episodes, I'm sure, but I've been in seasons where I've been leading well at work, but not at home. And I have now come to the conclusion that if you're winning at work, but not winning at home, you're losing. I really believe that. Like, you know, the, 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 the tie between how well things are at home and how well things are going at work is direct. And I know, hey, we all have bad days. I get that. But I mean, I'm talking about seasons. And the same is true even from an employer standpoint. You know, so as the senior leader in every organization I've been a part of for years now, um, you hire the whole person. So when you hire somebody and it's not going well at home, it's like, eh, you know, that, that shows up at work, whether you see it directly or not. It just impacts who people are. That's why I'm so thrilled to have Joel and Nina Schmidgall on the podcast today. They are actually good friends with and related to Mark Batterson, who's been a previous guest. And I say that because, I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, family. But no, they, they get along great. And uh, Mark, Joel, and Nina got together and wrote praying circles around your marriage. So we're going to talk about their marriage and talk about your marriage. And I think you're going to love that today. It's also a brand new book. You want to go out and get yourself a copy. It's available everywhere books are sold. And uh, man, I'm so glad to have them on. Hey, want to say thank you to all of you who are leaving ratings and reviews. There's a whole bunch lately. And uh, who knows, I may feature yours on this podcast. So Errol, thank you for leaving one. He says longer drive home. So his drive switched from 10 minutes to 35 minutes. And he used to, in his head, I never heard this, complain that my podcast was too long. Uh, but now it's actually just perfect. It's funny because I worry about the length sometimes and I don't really, we don't get a lot of complaints about it. Maybe we will now. Uh, but you're also a one and a half speed listener and it's now perfect for your commute. So thanks for the five-star review. Also, Corey Michael, Thanks for listening. You've been listening for two years. So I would say now that's a long time listener. God speaks to me through people. And I can't tell you how many times he's spoken to me through Carrie or one of his guests. I send episodes to other young leaders all the time. So good. Hey, Corey, thanks. And thanks for being one of the many, the thousands of young leaders who listen to this every week. And then uh, Sniper, 7676. So I hope this is a good review because your name is Sniper. Uh, I've been listening to Carrie for a couple of years and have learned so much. Love the in-depth of interviews and getting to learn from so many great leaders. And then thank you from C, looks like Selzner, unrelenting, incredible content. Man, that is so kind. You just started subscribing. You've been blown away by the content and it's all rich and gold. Hey, thank you guys for the podcast uh, reviews. You can leave them on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. I'm so grateful. Hey, um, do you know Easter is only two months away? Like, that's crazy, but it is. It's only two months away. And so the question is, are you ready? You talk to most church leaders, they're like, ah, no, not really. Uh, so this is a great opportunity to reach people for Christ during the year. Now, one of the best ways you can do that is by getting your video and social game together now. So for example, do you have video commercials created for your social ads? 
Do you have postcard invites designed for the mail? Because if the answer is, well, I hope so, ProMediaFire can help you with your design and video preparations for Easter and far beyond that. They're specialists in church media creation, and they can help your church reach more people, grow your congregation through custom-tailored content. This is not like some generic thing. They do your content. So they're a creative team with lots of experience working for you remotely for a monthly flat rate, far less than the cost of a single staff hire. So they've also got discounts for you because you listen to this podcast, 10% off all plans for life, 40% off the media bundle of unlimited graphic design and custom videos for life. To get that code, go to promediafire.com forward slash carry. You'll pick it up today. So remember, Easter is almost here. Less than the cost of a staff member, promediafire.com forward slash carry. We'll get you everything you need for Easter. Well, guys, let us jump into what I hope will be a powerful, transformative, and and I think challenging conversation, particularly for guys. <laughs> Here's my conversation with Joel and Nina Schmidgall. Well, Joel and Nina, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you guys here. We've known each other for a little while. Yeah, it's, it's great to be, to be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, tell us how you know Mark Batterson. Mark's been on the podcast a bunch and, you know, obviously written a lot of books, including Circle Maker and so on and so forth. So you have an inside edge, don't you? That's right. We've uh, we've had the privilege of walking with Mark and Laura for almost two decades uh, since wow. the very early days of National Community Church. So Mark actually officiated our wedding. And, there you uh, go. So, yeah. So we've had some fun moments. I, I haven't told this in a long time, Nina, so I'm going to get in trouble. But oh, um, no. <laughs> we went on a missions trip to Ethiopia right at the beginning after we got married. Mark was on the trip and they ended up sticking us in the same room together and they threw an Ethiopian wedding for us. So on the wedding night, Mark was sleeping three feet away from both of us. <laughs> and, oh my uh, goodness. I mean, talk about accountability, or I don't know what that is, but uh, <laughs> all that to say, we've we've uh, developed a very close relationship over twenty plus years, and uh, have been doing life and ministry, sharing the joys, the highs and lows, and um, we're also he is my brother-in-law too. So we're yeah, actually yeah. family and we share we share a legacy of prayer in our family. The circle maker he dedicated to my dad. Um, mm. I think it was to my father-in-law, Bob Schmidgall. The memory of you kneeling in prayer lives forever, as do your prayers. And so we've we've got a foundation of prayer and we've walked it out in life together. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, Mark married your sister, right? That's right. Yeah, that's you how got that it. works. Yeah, 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 which is great. And uh, so that there you go. That's how you got in. And you guys both work at NCC, right? Yeah, Joel's, Joel's the executive pastor at National Community Church. And we, uh, we have seven locations across the D.C. metro area. So he uh, leads one of our locations right on Capitol Hill, just next to our nation's capital. And then he um, oversees and our other locations. Um, we have a, a, a dream center, a ministry center also that he, that he oversees. So, and he's on our teaching team. So he wears quite a number of hats and, and then mm-hmm. I oversee our family ministry. So birth to graduation and supporting parents as they're intentional about faith in the home. And, and, uh, so we, we've worked in the, we describe it as we've worked in, uh, parallel streams in ministry for a long time and more and more the Lord's open opportunity for us to work 
together. And that happens most often in marriages and the work we do to prepare couples for marriage or to walk with couples in their um, in their either celebration moments or in their their difficult moments. And so, so yeah, we both work at NCC. Yeah. So uh, you guys do walk with a lot of couples through their marriage and you've been married. How many years have the two of you been married now? Can you say? We got 14 and a half under our belt. <laughs> I was gonna uh, say, that's I, street I cred. Wait. As yeah. a wife, you always wait to see if uh, if <laughs> Did Joel get it right, here. Nina? He got it right. We're yeah, kind of so in that neighborhood where it's you've got a lot of years, but not you're you're not that that older couple that has all knowing wisdom. So I feel like you know we've got the best of both worlds, where we're still learning along yeah. alongside a lot of people, but at the same time, God has shown us a few things. Well, and after after you know you've got three decades together or whatever, you're kind of like you you've got a lot of stuff figured out. So it's kind of fun that you're writing this not in the earliest days, but at least in relatively early days of a life together, which is good. Brand new book called Praying Circles Around Your Marriage. So I want to start here. What do you think the main marriage struggles are for most couples? You know, it, where we are right now, 2019. You know, life's different. Life's changed for a lot of couples. Society is changing. So where do you see the struggles show up in everyday life in the couples that you know, or even, you know, in your own marriage? Yeah, I mean, studies reveal, right, that the most usual culprits are the, you know, money, there's the the parenting differences, communication or, or conflict. And Joel and I for sure see that in the couples that we walk with. Those things are um, prevalent. They rear their ugly heads from time to time. And man, but I think also there's been a few things that have been revealed to us as um, kind of persistent, maybe more hidden uh, issues or um, one is just couples don't really learn to to fight fair or to fight well or to to use um, conflict as a way to just uh, as an opportunity for growth <laughs> and mm. and further health and uh, they avoid conflict or engage in unhealthy conflict um, and you know we we're in Washington D.C. and so people here like fight the for capital living. of uh, unhealthy yeah. conflict. People That's how they life. make their money by fighting. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Or their way, or their, you know, um, and so, so for sure, we, you know, I think we we navigate that quite a bit. Um, you know, I think the the failure to, um, I mean, one of the prayers I feel like the Lord gave me in the in the writing process was um, for the the fissures that kind of start early in marriage that that don't get repair over time. Um, so failure to do routine maintenance, I would say that's a main marriage struggle area is is people will dedicate so much to their career or even to their parenting and then maybe not take the steps kind of necessary for the important care that that your most sacred relationship deserves and so um, we really try to encourage and speak that into couples and um yeah and I actually you know I might also just say that for sure and I think this is an increased problem in marriages is competing passion or vision <laughs> and mm. more and more um particularly as as women are given more opportunities to, um, to lead and to grow and to, to, you know, I, I think that, um, couples end up coming to the marriage with very, um, passionate callings. And then, um, if, if they can't come into, um, alignment or understanding and ask the Lord and for a, a renewed and unified vision together, then that 
very quickly becomes a problem area. So that's a lot of answers, but I think those are some things that we're seeing that, you know, maybe go outside of some of the just, you know, things that are most often mentioned. And, and, and we seem to be coming back to those issues again and again with couples that we walk with. Joel, anything you see that we haven't touched on yet? Man, it just, you know, to speak generally is tough because every couple has a unique um, kind of couple print and their own challenges. So every time you sit down with a newly engaged couple or an older couple, it's, it's not the same issue. Um, It's their match. It's how they fit together and how, and so ultimately it's differences. How do we deal with our differences and uniquenesses? And, um, and, and ultimately that's what we're all trying to do. How do we navigate those uniquenesses while building up our spouse, you know, yet being ourselves. So it's all dependent on the couple that we're sitting with. It's interesting to me, you mentioned the phrase routine maintenance, which, you know, immediately my mind goes to cars and I get that. And I have an idea what you're talking about, but like, what would be some good habits of routine maintenance that you would say, Hey, when you do these things, life goes better, marriage goes better. I I think that's a really clever category. Yeah. And, you know, you've heard the idea before, you know, it's, it's better to get a $30 oil change than a, you know, a $4,000 engine replacement. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So how do we consistently put into, put things into practice? And I would say, you know, if there was a young couple that came to us and, and they said, give us one piece of advice, one single thing that will help us launch into marriage. I think this is something that we would talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. Find consistent checkpoints, a way to consistently come back and make an investment in your marriage. And that can be just communication, that, that can be healthy questions. Um, but for us, it was, okay, once a week, we need to get together and we need to have points of communication. This was, this was huge for me. And, and this reveals my own issues, Carrie, but issues of pride. Here's the thing for us, we're both right 99% of the time. <laughs> 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 that math just doesn't add up, right? So, but here's the thing, we would come in, we would do a once a week Sunday night checkpoint and we just go on a walk and mm-hmm. on that walk, um, and we lay out a few questions in the book that might guide somebody into an experience, but I'll just give one, one piece. Um, if I ask the question, how can I be a better husband? That question is, is revolutionary on a lot of levels. One um, it's me initiating that conversation. It's also both of us going into that uh, conversation are prepared. We're prepared for to try to invest in the other person. We're prepared to have tough conversations. But when I ask that question and Nina says, you know, if you could do the dishes that have been sitting in there for a day, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Well, because I asked the question and she gave me the answer, now I feel like I'm being proactive so I can receive that. Now, if she would have told me that morning, five minutes before I'm walking out the door, and uh, she says, you know, wh- why didn't you take care of the dishes? Well, I'll tell you why. You know, why, the, why is the laundry sitting there? And, you know, I'm leaving and you get into it. But because I initiated it, it kind of helps me to trick myself. You know, it's like when you work out, you have to trick your muscles and switch up your workout, right? right. So you can grow in different ways. And I've learned that's just one. There are different ways that we can kind of trick our own sin patterns or pride patterns that allows us to grow towards the other. So that would just be a simple um, way for us to kind of check in on a routine way. What would you add to that, Nina? 
Uh, no, I think that's I think that's really something that we encourage a lot of of couples in. And and Carrie, I don't know what that's looked like for you and Tony, but like, what are the the checkpoints? And for Joel, that was really big because um, he like all of his you know strengths finder, all those things. Like he is a, a harmony guy. Like he does not. Mm. So um, I think knowing that there was kind of a set time that that. Um, in a in a safe non non frustrated or conflict way, we were gonna, you know, maybe address some things. I think that actually um, made him, you know, willing to step into those places in a different way. And and for me, I think it helped kind of, you know, um, knowing that things weren't maybe gonna sit and and kind of build or and, and so I think that looks can look different for a lot of couples. And and every couple has to find their unique way for that to happen. But I think having some sort of lean in time is really, really um, important. And then, and actually we go even further than that. We have a time once a year that we, um, we designate for just, well, what's the lean in? That's not like, like, you know, maintenance stuff. What's the the stuff that's like the bit, you know, where God's going to reveal passion and vision Mm -hmm. and opportunity, and we're going to align our spirits and our hearts. And so, yeah, I don't know what that's looked like for you and, and Tony Carrie, but I, but you know, would you agree that some sort of um, connection, you know, check-in is an important part of system maintenance to make sure that the relationship's staying connected. Oh, huge. I mean, it was huge for us. Like our kids are in their 20s now, like we were talking about before we started recording. But, you know, when they were young, we were one of the few couples that actually got away overnight together among our friends set. And mm-hmm. we kept that up as a discipline. I don't think we missed a year. And there were years that were not easy years, seasons that were not easy seasons for us. So sometimes that would be to, you know, hammer something out at the time or whatever. Uh, but we always got away without the kids. And then we were pretty religious about date nights. Uh, yeah. Pretty religious about just, okay, we've got to go together. And again, and we've talked about this publicly, Tony's writing a book on it now, but when seasons were not easy for us, Sometimes date night would turn into fight night, and that's not very good. <laughs> Do you ever have one of those? Like, oh, just keeping scary. it real. Yeah. Listen, this is where the differences in our personality, and you know, Joel and I, we we are so different as as um, okay. we're just so, we see so the world Joel's so harmonizer. All right, on on a right <laughs> well, path. And what are you, Nina? Are you a challenger? Like, what are you? Yes, I am. I prefer to use the term advocate. Oh, you're an advocate. Okay, yes, yes, that's right. But but also, I mean, I think the differences also pertain to I'm a planner and Joel prefers spontaneity. And that for sure plays out in our our dating because, you know, we quite often, we would also call date nights sometimes conflict nights or fight nights because (laughs) we would get in the car and especially with, you know, our kids are, are... um, you know, elementary and middle school age. And so by the time you've like organized the sitter and you like, you know, we've picked up the house and you've gotten everyone what they needed and you get in the car. And then I would be look at him like so expectantly, like, what are we doing? And I would feel so disappointed to feel like we didn't have a plan or no. And, and Joel would feel like, Oh, I would, like this is a grand adventure. We're going to go <laughs> find what we're going to do. And it's going to be amazing because we didn't even plan it. And it, we're just going to show up and it's going to be so fun. Many and, nights started in frustration that way. Right. So <laughs> some systems around that, but for sure. And and that just reveals, I mean, a different, we just approach almost every situation differently. And we find that so many couples do. And I you think- You do marry your opposite. You don't you think do you do, yeah. but you end up doing it. Right. Like, what I is that? Because you're drawn toward, you're drawn 
to the things that you maybe wish you had more of in your own life. I mean, I, I think mm. I do wish I had more spontaneity. I for sure wish that I had more harmony. I, you know, and so um, I think that I am am drawn to those things. And I think Joel's drawn to those things too. And, but then the reality is you have to work those out, you know, so. Right. You're attracted hmm. to people who fill in your gaps, you know, who yeah. fill in those areas that you don't naturally ascend to. And so that becomes, um, it becomes almost like you feel like you're, um, filling in yourself a little bit when you find something, but then immediately, you know, when you get together, it changes. And here's what's interesting too. Um, you know, for me, I, I think I always kind of have this, well, if it's harmony or if it's maybe trying to put others before yourself. So I think when we were dating, Nina was the object of this affection or the object or of this missional nature or whatever you want to call that. Sacrifice. Um, sacrifice. <laughs> But then when we came together, all of a sudden your expectations, they change within marriage. So for me, that became now no longer are you the object of this. Now you're a part of me. So this is what we do together. So now when we go sleep over at, you know, at, for family Christmas time, we're sleeping over. Well, yeah, me and Nina will take the floor. No problem. You guys take the bed. <laughs> Yeah. And she's going, wait, I thought you were trying to, you're trying to serve me and we're doing the floor. No, no, this is how we do it. <laughs> and so you're, you, you change the lines that you draw when you step into this covenant because you are the two becoming one. But we naturally make assumptions on the other person that are uniquenesses and differences that we appreciated. But now all of a sudden it's a different game, isn't it? So that's what we try to navigate. What what have been some tension points in your, before we get to the prescription, let's talk about the description. What have been some tension points that you guys have had to work through in your relationship? Different personalities, different everything. I mean, we all try this, but it's work. So what's been work for you guys? Yeah, thanks for asking. This is always a great question <laughs> to answer. Thanks for asking, Carrie. We love to. Well, you're pretty uh, honest about it in the book. I mean, you're not, it's not this like. And actually, that is true. I think our, we have a very high commitment to that if we were going to step into walking, you know, sharing about marriage, that we would do that from a place of transparency and vulnerability. Yes. It's just not fair to do anything else. Um, you know, marriage is hard and and it takes a continued commitment. So, so yeah. Yeah, well, and, and thank you. Yeah, I really feel set up well here. Um, I think for us, you know, when you look at different areas of expectation and family background and all these different. So for us, I think we would line up in an area of finance, which is a big deal. We see money the same way. We have similar goals and values. I think on the flip side, um, communication would be one. That's why I think I referenced that checkpoint earlier, because learning how to communicate well together, learning, you know, I think that would be a, a little bit of a, an average, you know, I think guys on average speak 7,000 words a day. It would be more like 20 for girls. That's not always true, you know, but, um, but that would 20, be true for us. for women. Yeah. 20,000. 20, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't finish that. Um, well, that would be only true have 7,000 words. So you used it <laughs> enough, right? I'm using up my quota right now. Yeah. Yeah, Joel um, used to tell people when we were early married, like and they would ask, oh, how did it was a trip or how was whatever? He'd always say, well, well, I'm the headlines. Nina's the fine print. So yeah. like basically, yeah. do you want the headline or do you want the fine print? Right, right. So uh, communication and then conflict resolution would be two points of uniqueness. So talk about how you challenge. resolve conflict. What is your natural style? What's uh, Nina, what's yours? 
you're a harmonizer. So well, I'll are you, oh, do you know your Enneagram? I got to ask because Ian, Ian Morgan Cron has been on the podcast recently. So. Uh, okay. So good. Do you, you know, know your Enneagram or you haven't done that yet? I do know my Enneagram. We both do. And um, I think my number speaks to, well, I don't like to talk about it. And that's probably because <laughs> of my number. <laughs> so I'm a nine. Yeah. Both and of you, us, when all of these different things, I think really we probably because we're attracted to other, you know, it's sometimes hard. Some of these things where you have to come to terms with what they what they are. Joel struggles with saying he's a nine, but I'm I, I'm not certain, but I'm pretty sure that I'm an eight. And if you read the yeah. profiles of people that are eights, they, it's not good company, Carrie. <laughs> oh, listen, I'm an eight. So I'm basically uh, it's reform oh, school for you and me. Except Carrie. Yes, yeah, no, but I'm naturally an eight, but there's a huge difference between a healthy eight and an unhealthy eight. Yeah. And I think yeah. your family sees more of your unhealthy than anybody else because yes. you're with them 24 hours a day. Yeah. Us, help right. us, Lord. Yeah. You yeah. know, in the first, when I first read The Road Back to You, um, that uh, incredible book, I, and I started kind of thinking more about it and I, I was pretty sure that Joel was a nine and he he said, don't, don't diagnose me, <laughs> but um, and he can't really, it's motive based. So people have to identify for themselves. But I started to read about marriage between eights and nines. And I thought, oh my goodness, am I in a marriage with myself? If I'm like the asserter or the challenger or advocate, as I like to say, and Joel is um, a peacemaker or a yielder, then I was like, oh no. Uh, but as I read more and more, it actually can be a beautiful compliment. And I think that I hope that that is true about our marriage. You know, we well, draw those, the health out of each other. That's it. And I think Tony, you know, I'm married, my wife, Tony, who you guys know, she's a five. And that means like we were talking about conflict. So as a challenger, I'm like, bring it. Like, and my team knows that at work. It's like, do not hide, do not run. And conflict for an eight is like a form of affection in a really weird way. Like the fact mm. that you're engaging me and Tony would just shut down like as a five. She's like, mm, yeah. nah, I'm not going to go there. And so it would create this fascinating. So how did that manifest or how does that manifest in your relationship when you have a challenger and someone who's like harmony, harmony, peace, peace, peace? How does that work? Well, I, I have to make one clarification. Nina said she's an eight, but Nina is a 10. Oh, there you go. Score the points, mic drop. All right, that's it. Interview over. I'm a dad, three time dad, so I gotta have some corny jokes. Uh, I would say in the beginning, especially with the, um, you know, I hope we've grown a lot in these areas, but particularly early in our marriage, exactly what you said, Carrie. That in my mind, sometimes with conflict, it's like if you're not willing to engage, then then in my mind, I'm like, well, then you actually don't even you don't care about this enough. So I would, you know, even sometimes kind of push there and push there. And, and the more that I did that, probably the more that, that, you know, Joel would, would avoid it or withdraw it. And so we would never really move to, um, a place of understanding or of health. And, um, we, you know, we share in the the book about, we actually went to pre-engagement counseling. And, um, part of that was because, uh, we just came from such different backgrounds. And I actually come from, um, my, my background is, um, just broken in terms of marriages. And, um, and so I think I carried a lot of fears about whether those things would, whether I had the tools to have a healthy marriage. And, um, and so, you know, there was just, we knew that in order to move forward in a place of health, we were going to have to do some work on the front end. And we actually recommend to couples that are considering marriage to maybe consider, um, 
some sort of, you know, either counseling or something before the, the actual engagement period, because once you're engaged, right, it's a very brave person that would then, you know, once families are invested in all that kind of step away. So anyhow, we did a lot of that work early on. And, and Joel, um, would, as he would maybe for the first time, you know, feel comfortable starting to air some of the stuff that was, you know, at work, um, that was very, that was, I think that was hard for me, but that has paid dividends in our marriage yeah. for since the beginning that I had to provide an environment where um, where Joel could could navigate disagreement or um, from a healthy place. And that, that was really, you know, something I had to be responsible for. And Joel had to be responsible for, um, you know, stepping into the places even though they're uncomfortable. And I like to believe we've both grown in that. I think <laughs> one uniqueness too is just, you know, I think Nina, you're quicker to enter into tension or conflict than I am. Like I'll probably try to avoid that for a while, but then once we're in, I'm ready to camp out. I'm let's go. Let's, let's <laughs> get this party start, you know? And so she'll enter in quickly, but then tends to want to exit a little quicker. Whereas I'm slow to enter. But once I get in there, I don't, man, maybe it's the harmony piece. Like I want to work everything out. I don't want to talk through everything until we come to a point of resolution and peace. And so both the front and the back end is kind of interesting for us and our families too. Like Nina, you come from a family where everything's out there. You say what's on your mind, it's all coming. And I come from a family where you kind of maybe push it down underneath or, or avoid it a little bit more. So even our family situations accentuate some of our personality. So we've really had to be intentional uh, specifically with conflict. Well, and Carrie, can I just add that this, yeah. I mean, this, our book is a book on um, the importance of prayer in marriage, right? Mm -hmm. And I will say that that um, one of the things that has been so important for us is asking the Lord for a revelation of understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and and that has that has moved mountains in our marriage, really, it has, that there, um, there are some things where you just, you're not ever going to to see it from the other person's perspective. You're not going to engage the way that they are. Um, but through prayer, I think, is is really where there is an opportunity sometimes to, um, to you know, speak the other person's language, to see things through their kind of eyes, um, and for the Lord to speak into your heart. And we know that conflict can be refining if we let it. Mm -hmm. And who does the real refining work? It's not our spouse in that conflict moment. It's the Lord. And so, so anyhow, I would just say that that I think um, in terms of how we navigate conflict, being as different that as we are, it, it really is um, through through uh, the Lord's <laughs> leading. Yeah, so that's a great segue, Nina. So the book is called Praying Circles Around Your Marriage. And, uh, you know, Mark wrote a book a few years ago, which has sold mil literally millions of copies called The Circle Maker. Um, so this is an application into marriage. But what does praying circles mean? Like, what does that actually mean? And I want to talk more specifically about how you pray in marriage, because I think a lot of people are like, well, I pray privately and we say grace before a meal. And, mm. you know, so I pray. What do you guys mean by that? Mm. Yeah, no, um, the circle maker is, I mean, wow, when, when Mark wrote that, and I guess just so in case people aren't familiar, the circle maker was written by Mark Batterson, who we've um, been so privileged to work alongside of and and share our family history with also but he um 
that book has changed countless lives. I mean, the stories are just so incredible to read that have come in. And really, it's just about bringing intentionality to your prayer life. Um, it's about leaning in with just with purpose and also specificity and and then and, and giving um, the Lord some room to show off. And so I think what we have found with, with prayer is that, um, you know, people... Um, they they will maybe make prayer a routine part or a, a habit part and are and um, maybe aren't leaning in with just purpose and specifics and so it's been incredible to see how that story has tra- how has transformed lives and so praying circles around your marriage is just about what if we invited that same boldness of prayer into our marriages and mm-hmm. began to believe God to do repairing work that seems irreparable to um, you know accomplish. Um, dreams for for family and for future and for legacy and generations. And yeah, we wrote the book kind of in that same vein. And it's about, it's inviting prayer into seven areas of marriage um, and just, you know, inviting him, inviting intentional prayer into maybe persistent conflict areas or inviting persistent prayer um, into um, your, your connection and, and um, intimate lives and, and all of those things. And so, so yeah, I think, I don't know, Joel, if you have maybe more you want to share just about. I just don't, I don't know how people do marriage without prayer. Hmm. And, um, it's when you, when your body hits your knees, your heart finds humility. And that's just what I've found in prayer. And, you know, we were talking about conflict and so I, I think it applies to that specific area, but every area, but in conflict, the Holy Spirit will come and, and convict your heart and, and teach you. And so even the, the idea of, you know, don't just seek to be understood, but seek understanding. That's what happens when you enter prayer. It breaks down your mindset. It breaks down your preconceived ideas um, and connecting with the Holy Spirit you know, I love that the old saying that it says, you know, Holy Spirit doesn't make you better than somebody else. It makes you better than yourself. And mm-hmm. prayer is connecting with the Holy Spirit and it's making you a new individual within that marriage. It's it's bringing the sacred into the idea. And um, yeah, so we just, we lean into prayer. What if you, what if you just invited prayer into every portion of your marriage, into the worst parts, into the best parts? Let's just see what can happen. And you're going to maximize who you are. You're going to maximize your calling and what God can and will do in you. Can you explain the circle metaphor and how that works? So I think it comes across as, um, it can come across as, oh, if you just circle, almost incantational, right? Like we're this <laughs> magical thing if you just circle it. But at, at the root of it, you know, the, uh, the old story from the Talmud about Honey, the circle maker, um, they had gone through this season of drought and he was at such a point of desperation and resolve that he draws this circle around himself and says, I won't leave this circle until God answers my prayer. And so there's nothing magical about it. You know what it is? It's just, it's, it's this old word to tarry. I don't know if you ever heard that mm, growing up. It's a great um, word. It is. It's a, it's a great word that you never hear anymore. But when you think about some of the Old Testament scriptures, like Jacob wrestling with the Lord, and he says, I won't let go until I receive a blessing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you see, you know, grabbing the, horn, the horns of the altar mm-hmm. um, and saying, I won't let go. It's this, it's this such deep persistence and resolve before God 
that scriptures say, if you seek God with your whole heart, you will find him. And so um, when we talk about circling, it's really saying it's let's pray and go to God with such a resolve that we will not give up until the blessing of the Lord, the understanding of God, the gifts of the spirit mm. come into our life, come into my heart, into our marriage. And so circling, it can be actual circling. Like when I reference you know, when we take a Sunday night walk, we're actually circling our house when we do that because we're going around the block and we're literally circling our marriage in prayer. But ultimately, it's it's any form of resolve in prayer, seeking um, the will of the Father in our lives. Well, and all prayer is good prayer, but I guess, you know, what what that means, you know, the way Mark handles it, the way you guys handle it is, it's different than just praying while you're brushing your teeth or in the shower or like, you know, on the way to work or, you know, five minutes after your devotion. This is like intentional, focused, deliberate prayer, because it's amazing how often we allow conflict and division and problems to go unresolved just by neglect. And that's what mm-hmm. happens, right? Mm-hmm. It's a second law of mm-hmm. thermodynamics. Nothing gets better mm-hmm. on itself. Your yeah. car does not fix itself. Your lawn doesn't mow itself. Everything goes into a state of disrepair over time, including people and marriages and your relationship. That's really yeah. good. And, you know, it's it's the idea if you plant a carrot, what are you going to get? If you, or excuse me, if you plant a carrot seed, what are you going to get? You're going <laughs> to get a carrot. If, if you plant a soybean, what are you going to get? You're going to get soybean. If you plant nothing, what do you get? You want to <laughs> say nothing, right? But that's not true. You get weeds. You don't right. <laughs> nature will take care of the weeds. You don't need to worry about it. And I think in our marriages, we can get in a point of stagnancy and we just say, okay, well, we're not doing anything right now. So we're kind of in neutral, but that's not true. Like you just said, the second law of thermodynamics will always lead us towards yeah. chaos. So unless we're growing, unless we're being intentional, unless we're, and listen, look at, look at our, look at our prayer. What's the content of our prayer? My guess is that it's 90% focused about you and what you want, but prayer has to advance. It's a relationship. It has to advance to a point of listening, to yeah. a point of receiving. What is God convicting me of? What's he calling me to? And when's the last time you know, that we actually reached out to our spouse and apologized just because we were convicted? Not mm-hmm. because they got mad or because there was some consequence or anything, but just because we are praying and the Holy Spirit is talking. That's the, that's the root or that's the cultivation of, of the fruit of prayer in our lives. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's a, a very convicting thing because often you're right. Most Christian prayer, I think is selfish or casual or it's about other things, mm-hmm. but we ignore the things within our control. So a uh, couple things, and, and Nina, I want to get to you in just a second. But for Joel, there's a lot of guys listening. You're both free to speak into this. A lot of guys listening going, excuse me, I never pray out loud with anybody, let alone my mm-hmm. wife, or I tried that once. It didn't go particularly well. Things got worse. So like, I'll just have, if I pray at all, I'm going to have my little prayer time, but like, I'm not praying with her. I've heard so many guys say that. And to be honest, as a guy, as a leader, it's still hard for me to pray out loud with my wife. That takes discipline and we do it regularly, mm-hmm. but like, it is like, oh yes, I need to do this. So how, how would you speak into that? Yeah, Nina, we haven't talked about this forever, but that reminds me of 
very early in our marriage, we were in a worship service and we're worshiping. And mm-hmm. and I, I got a little maybe charismatic in me, Carrie, where yeah, I, you yeah. know, I'll express myself. And so so I'm I'm kind of expressing myself. And then I feel Nina's arm come around me. And my honest reaction was, what is she doing right now? This is inappropriate. Um, this is <laughs> worship is is personal. This is between me and God. And I and I actually kind of I I pushed her away a little bit. And it was this it was this terrible little moment as a husband um, in in prayer before God. You know, I'm kind of separating myself, but. But I realized this preconceived idea that how I thought that faith was so personal that that I needed it to be just me. And that was truly authentic. But the idea that that faith really it, it's personal, but it's not private. And the two becoming one, I actually had to grow to allow her into that that space that I had had just for me. And, uh, and I had to grow and I, I think I would push people in our, in our pre-engagement counseling with couples, I will always ask the guy at some point and not just the guy, both of them, but I'll always ask the guy at some point to pray aloud in our, in our meetings mm-hmm. together. And I know sometimes they've never done that before. And so I'm going to help them get there. But because one of my favorite moments in the ceremony is during communion, and I, it's the only private moment where they have, where I'll have them come together because I know I want each of them to pray in that moment. It's, and they're going to remember that for the rest of their lives. This yeah. is this little mm-hmm. private moment that we have, and we are both going to seek God together. So maybe that's you. Um, you know, if you're a guy, I would encourage you, can I push you a little bit? And that can, it can start really easily. Like maybe it's, you just get down on your knees and um, and you pray alongside each other. And maybe that's where it starts. Or maybe you start by praying the Lord's Prayer. Like you already have content that is given, but just saying that out loud hmm. is a good way to start. But I'm telling you, if you've never prayed for your wife, you have uh, a weapon in your arsenal that you are not using yeah. to, to, to come to the almighty creator and seek him on behalf of your spouse is one of the greatest compliments that you could ever give to a person. Yeah. And so that is speaking life into your spouse. And I hope you, I hope there's maybe some simple steps you might consider taking in that direction. Nina, what would you say to the reluctant prayer? Are there, and I don't want to, you know, gender stereotype. I'm sure there are women who are like, I'm not praying out loud. <laughs> uh, but what would you say to the reluctant prayer? Yeah, or even in just in terms of maybe like steps to take. And, you know, I think it might be the situation that a spouse is in is is um, that they have a reluctant spouse who's, you know, I, I want to have oh, more yeah. of a connection in this, you know, and, and I think quite, you know, maybe that's more often women, maybe not, I don't know, but I, I want to... Um, connect more in this in this way and come to the Lord together and maybe you're finding that their spouse is hesitant or reluctant. And um, I would just say uh, step one is is begin by praying for your spouse then and and kind of starting there. And I think Joel's mm-hmm. is, you know, that's really a good word that, you know, um, the, the privilege that we have to go to the Lord on behalf of this person that we love the most, um, what a gift that is. And so, um, you know, starting there and and asking the Lord to um, to soften 
our spouse's heart, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, maybe sharing that, that as opposed to giving a prescription for what that looks like. And I think that's sometimes, um, as women, where we go wrong <laughs> is we will give the, you know, this is what I, you know, I want us to go, you know, be on our knees next to the bed before, you know, we go to sleep each night, or I wanted it as opposed to maybe stating the heart or the goal and, um, giving room for what that could look like. Like, Hey, I, I would love, um, to come to the Lord together more often. What do you think that could look like? Or what do you think that could, um, yeah. So, so I think really, um, a a lot of it might be just, um, sharing kind of heart and desire. And, and if your spouse isn't there, then, then, you know, we know as, as, parents, we know as church leaders, we know as all of this, that that modeling is is a really important way of just sharing, hey, the Lord shared this for me, for you. Um, this is a word I feel like, you know, he gave me for you today, and I hope it encourages you or, you know, some of those things. So I don't know if that helps at all, but I do know that that, that is the case. Not always are both spouses on the same page. I mean, Joel described an exact situation where that's, you know, where that played out for us of, of um, you know, for some people, faith is a very a private thing, and it can it can take time and practice to to feel more comfortable coming to the Lord together. What would you say? I'm so glad you raised that, Nina. But what would you say to couples where you know one is a Christian and the other is not? So there's just a wall there. Or conversely, maybe they're both Christian, but uh, you know one is just like, yeah, I don't talk about it. I'm sincere, like I've, I've but I'm not going there in our relationship. So. Uh, you know, I get that question a lot and I always make the mistake because my wife and I have always had a very open spiritual dialogue uh, mm-hmm. at every stage in our marriage. And I just forget that that is not the case. So speak to those leaders who are listening now who are going, yeah, I got a wall on the other side. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what you have to say about that, Joel. But, you know, Joel and I both came to our marriage with um, a strong faith, though, but we came from very different backgrounds. I had grown up um unchurched. And, you know, my church experience when I did become a believer was very different from Joel's. And so we have had to navigate different approaches to our relationship um, with the Lord. And the neat thing is actually what we've been able to gain from one another in that. And so um, I think being, you know, sometimes we get so focused on pulling or having our spouse come our way (laughs) um, in terms of spiritual matters. But um, to the ones that that their their spouse is maybe more closed off to to the Lord or doesn't have a faith. I mean, the, you know, the th- whole thing we talk about in this book is that we believe in a God that loves bold prayers, and because bold prayers really honor Him, it gives Him um, an opportunity to to show. Um, his power. And so I would say to begin praying bold prayers and please, will people, can, would, would you write them down? Because that, those are some of the best ways for God to reveal to us the way that he's moved. Um, so when your spouse says something that shows an openness spiritually, you know, um, write it down. And, and so I don't know, Joel, what do you have to say about that with couples that are maybe coming from a different level of openness? I think we're always talking about like, what's the third way approach? You know, when, when you follow Jesus, you have to ask that question. We ask that question in our city all the time because we literally have two parties in the city <laughs> and we have pe- people on both sides of the aisle in our congregation. And so we're constantly asking, how can we not just talk about one side of the equation, but what's the third way? What's the way that Jesus would, you know, so he talks about going the extra mile or turning the other cheek or these different ways to approach 
um, conflict or, or different resolution from some from another perspective. You know, there, that's a real practical problem. I would love for you guys to give us some very practical exercises that you encourage couples to use in committing to pray together. So let's get really granular. How how can they do that? Yeah, I mean, we mentioned earlier just I think the importance of um, kind of a, a set connection point, and I think that can be great. I mean, not, we mentioned that as just you know a conflict management, but that actually really is an incredible opportunity to ensure um, you know prayer connection is is maybe have a a pattern or a habit. Is it you know on a walk each week where you really are just asking, hey, is there anything I can be praying for you about? And that could be separate yeah. from a date night, right? So oh, that yeah. way you're not I mean, like overloading your date night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When our kids were really little, you know, um, part of it was just having, we had one night a week that we agreed, like we, you know, quite often the kids would go to bed and we would be scrambling to get back on our computers to finish work or do whatever that we just decided that that night each week was going to be, you know, just leave all of that at rest and just kind of be connected and, and would ask our, you know, Hey, I mean, one, is there anything that I need to make right with you this week? And is there anything I could be doing better? But then, hey, is there anything I could be, you know, let's, that we need to be praying about? And that was great, not just for our own marriage, but it actually aligned us in prayer also, because quite often, um, you know, maybe we had had coffee with a friend who was really hurting and man, I've never told you about such and such, or there might've been an issue at the church or, or something that came up. So that aligned us in prayer, um, you know, towards other things too. So I think having something kind of, um, set is really, really important. Um, Joel, do you have some more tools you want to offer? Practical tools? A couple of things. One, um, you know, praying separate from one another. So finding our own rhythm. So, you know, in the morning, maybe you're in the scriptures and you're praying and asking God to speak into you, but it's funny. All we have a dog. Uh, and so (laughs) I'll take the dog on a walk every night. It's a midnight walk that I take Um, but it's much more intentional prayer towards my marriage, towards my family, but it's a consistent thing. It's kind of building it into the rhythm of life that we already have. I think other ways are just to utilize the calendar as it is. And so the Lent season is almost Mm -hmm. on us right here. So, um, that's coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. And so every Lent we take that 40 day period for our marriage to pray over specific things. And so each week we'll kind of pick a different category of things that we're leaning into, that we're praying into. Mm -hmm. And it's powerful too, because when prayer is combined with something else for us during Lent, like that's a season of sacrifice where we are abstaining from different things and we practice that. So the, the abstaining along with the prayer really takes us, it kind of heightens your, your level of awareness of what is happening. And, um, you know, when we see in the scriptures, uh, the idea of fasting, you know, it's, it's, it's to afflict one soul. That's what it literally means. And so in the affliction, but also seeking God on behalf of this marriage, he really brings revelation in new ways. Or maybe you go from, you know, from Easter to Pentecost Sunday, it's another 40 day period, but utilizing these little set periods or the summer that we have, because you can do anything for a season. And um, that's what I've found true with different small groups that I'll do. I'll challenge high level challenges. And Tom Brady talks about this, actually, (laughs) where he picks different seasons and he kind of elevates the challenges for that season because for 21 days, for 40 days, you can do anything for a season of time. So I would just say pick a pick a short seat. Maybe it's a week. 
mm. where you just practice this together. We've done where we we start our day and we end our day um, with prayer. That's that's like you can do it in three minutes in the morning. Can you invest three minutes into your marriage? And after you do that, we always say this consistency beats intensity. Mm. You don't mm. need to do this an hour a day. If you do this just a little bit, isn't that the same with working out too? If you work out mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, 15 minutes a couple of times a week, that's way better for your body than it is to have an intense workout once every once in a while. So just mm-hmm. invest a little bit consistently and God will show up. I just love that line about consistency over intensity because I think that is so true in terms of having real kind of results and seeing real things happen. But I also love that you hit on seasons, Joel, because I think that's so true that um, sometimes we can lean into what the Lord has to say in different ways in different seasons. And and um, so I think learning how to harness some of those seasons is really just a great way to, to hear something new um, from the Lord. So whether it's, you know, a season, maybe you have, if there's a baby on the way and then you can really yeah. kind of leverage that season. Joel, I remember when, when our oldest daughter was a, a baby and we were learning how to all the sleep training and all of that. And Joel would do kind of the night shift and he would just walk. He says he thought he wore a, a, a path in our house <laughs> where mm. he would kind of walk rocking her. And he said, that was just, you talk about that being a really um, important prayer season for you. Um, now, you know, the season of the walking the dog kind of situation. But a lot of times if, if a family's going through a move or a, a job change or is seeking the Lord for an answer to something, those are seasons to lean into prayer in a new way. And I think that can look different ways for different couples. But harnessing um, seasons is, is, I think, a great way. In the same way that we keep our, our diets fresh and our workouts fresh, I think that's a way that we can keep um, just our, our, our rhythms of, of connecting with the Lord and with our spouse fresh too. Okay, so almost last question. Talk to the couple who says, awesome, glad you guys have a great marriage. Mine's falling apart. Like I'm, I'm not sure we're gonna make it to summer or uh, this may be our last year together, or we're on life support. Does any of this apply to them or is it too late? Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I think um, <laughs> my heart just feels soft even hearing those words because I think that, that, that every couple faces some level of that at some point, right? And um, in the book, we talk about storm seasons and and the reality is is storms can kind of, can come externally to our marriage, right? Things that we encounter or that we're going through that are difficult. And then storms can brew internally in our marriage too. Of um, And, and you know, I, I talk about some of the difference and there are different kinds of storms, right? They're the storms that are like fierce mm-hmm. and surprising. And those can be things like, you know, I, I don't know, a, a medical diagnosis or a job loss or something. And then there are storms that are slow brewing that endure for a long time. And, um, you know, that can be um, just a distance that's grown in a marriage, it can be conflict with in-laws. It can be, you know, a, a journey of infertility. It can be all sorts of things. Um, inside of a marriage, it can be things like just a, a yeah, a big distance that's grown or a just seeing something so very differently that can't seem to be overcome. And, you know, um, both James and Peter really warn us that we're going to face trials of many kinds in God's word. And I think in those seasons, um, one of the things that we can do is is to um, focus on, a, on the things that God promises, right? He does gr- promise to be near. He does promise for, uh, for a greater good. And those are the seasons where God does his best work um, in terms of, you know, leaning in, into 
prayer, I guess I would say, what if? Like, what if you asked the Lord for something big and bold um, and, and then believed, believed for him to do it? I don't know, Joel, what do you want to say to those couples in that place? I just, I appreciate that you brought this up, that you asked that question, because that's part of our prayer for this book. Yeah. And the reality is this, you know, it's Romans 4, 17. He can bring into existence what did not exist before. Hmm. And we we get to a point where we just give up, don't we? But I'm telling you, prayer makes a difference when you allow God to come into your existence. I have a, a friend who he actually passed away recently, um, but he would he was known behind the scenes in Washington, D.C. as one of the most connected people in this city. And he was known for doing this crazy thing. He would ask somebody, and I'm talking congressmen, senators, he would say, I bet you $1,000 if you pray for this specific thing, and it, you know, maybe it's a country, for 40 days, that I'll bet you $1,000 that God will show up in an unmistakable way. And he would do this. It's kind of crazy. I don't know if that's biblical or not. Carrie. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, he would do this and he never lost a bet. And so he's a rich. No, he didn't. <laughs> he wouldn't actually take the money. But um, but God will show up. And and here's what I've found in marriages. When somebody shows up uh, for counseling, I've never met a couple that, that has said, you know, we've been praying about this for you know, a half hour a day and, and it's just not working. No, we, we don't do that. Give me five minutes in the altar with somebody over an hour in counseling. And I, and I don't say that to devalue counseling. That's of no. utmost importance. We talk about that, but I'm just saying sometimes we, we discount the power of what God can actually do in our hearts and our lives. And we're here to speak hope into your marriage because Nina yeah. and I are incredibly different. We can fight really well. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, and, and I think prayer is so essential. There is that um, stat, that doctor study that Dr. Phil had in one of his books where it's like one in 10,000 people who pray together out loud, couples pray together out loud, experience divorce. So the 40 mm -hmm. or 50% divorce rate drops to wow. microscopic wow. levels for couples that pray together. So uh, it's an easy book to read, an easy book to get. Where can people find Praying Circles Around Your Marriage? Yeah, it's available online at any of your online retailers or in your local bookstores. And um, yeah, then you can, of course, stay connected with us, we hope, on social media. And uh, Joel's at, at Joel Schmidgall. I'm at, at Nina Schmidgall, of course, um, at Mark Batterson. Um, our last name, because it has a lot of consonants, <laughs> you know, that, that can be a, a tricky one. Um, but yeah, and then we've been sharing a few more thoughts on uh, at Praying Marriage also. And so that's ways you can stay connected with us. But we do hope that couples will, will grab the book and, um, you know, maybe one for their spouse and then begin to, to just work through it together. Awesome. Guys, thanks so much. Joel and Nina, so appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for thanks, having us. Carrie. Grateful to be on. Well, that was a great interview. And if you want more, you can go to the show notes. You'll find everything at kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 247. If you cannot spell that, which I completely understand, go to leadlikeneverbefore.com. Type in Joel and Nina in the search bar. You'll find it. Um, everything's there, including transcripts. Uh, thank you again for everyone who's leaving ratings and reviews. It is only two months out from Easter. 
So it's a great opportunity to reach people for Christ. Head on over to promediafire.com forward slash carry before it's too late. And also, if you're looking for virtual staff solutions, uh, not so much in the creative arts department, but like executive assistants, uh, bookkeeping, things like that, check out belaysolutions.com forward slash carry. Uh, I've actually got a free download on that page for you. It's about how you can save 15 hours this week just by changing up your patterns. And Belay is who I use when I reach out for new staffing. And this is a rapidly growing team. So go to belaysolutions.com forward slash carry for more on that. Next week, we are back with a fresh episode. I have Kara Powell. Yes, another duel. (laughs) Kara Powell and Steve Argue. And they're talking about the challenges of parenting emerging adults. Some of you are emerging adults. Some of you are teens. Believe it or not, we have 18 year olds who listen to this podcast. So you'll listen to it from a different vantage point. Or if you're like me and your kids are grown, mine are just grown and out of the house, uh, lots of fascinating research. Uh, These guys are from Fuller, the Fuller Youth Institute in California. Kara Powell and Steve argue next week on the podcast. Here's an excerpt. What we hear time and time again from you is that you constantly feel like you're behind, uh, that you wish you were further along than you were, and there's a lot of guilt and shame associated with that. And I think that maybe what you need to hear first and foremost is um, you don't have to feel that way. Um, that part of your journey does take longer. I know people place expectations on you, but I think um, you are where you are and you can always take a next faithful step. If you feel like um, you've got questions or you feel stuck, recognize that that is not an act of unfaithfulness. It actually quite could be an act of faithfulness because you're on the verge of discovering something new, something that you have to pay attention to and something um, that maybe God is trying uh, to show you. And, um, you know, I would just say that you are probably going to be misunderstood sometimes, but just recognize the fact that there's a lot of us that are cheering for you, recognizing that those are the important steps um, that uh, you're taking. So again, subscribers, you get that for free absolutely free anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever. We're back next Tuesday with a fresh episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.